0: Wow, well, well, I right. watched you struggle and I want you rushing with them angels. The is. And... From Auburn University, Bowles, Jacksonville.
1: The correct Jordan here. Stadium time is 8.38 p.m. Central Standard Time. Your digital audio device is tuned into the Orange and True podcast, harbored by friendly folks. At, college at magnolia.com, greetings and salutations, Orange and Truthers, it is I, your tour guide through the cosmos, at Santa Crow. Two on Twitter, Drew and at Santa Crow, on Venmo is where you'll find me. To one side of me, joining me, as always, the rumor monger, Ryan S. Starrett. The S
2: stands for... The S stands for Stenches from the Depth of Hell, because I just had to... Uh unclog my shower drain for the first time oh yeah 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 been yeah. been here yeah, about yeah. 18 months and uh, it finally started backing up on me it was pretty bad the problem was is they didn't add any screws to be able to remove the drain plate yeah so i had to stick like a tiny little drain snake in there that was you know in a quarter inch square and as i started pulling it up it popped the whole plate out oh man so now yeah. i gotta reinstall that uh, it's a home
1: ownership the other side of me, uh, joining me through the magic of the internet, giving you that full four-paying ASMR you pay so much for. From the Jedi Temple, it is the AU Chief.
3: Okiki, Hawaii.
1: <laughs> Man. Did you see that Bill Walton picked five five teams for his Final Four and two of
2: them are in the same uh, same region? <laughs> well, two of them would have to be the same region, right? Look, yes. Unless one of them just wasn't in the tournament. Here's
1: cool. what I – my theory on Bill Walton is – All the final four. Bill Walton has got life so figured out that he is just confused by the rest of us who don't <laughs> have it figured out. He's just like, uh, look, man, it's not that hard. I just got figure it figured out. I don't know why you got – kind of like you have a professor who's just so smart and can't figure out how you don't get the material. Bill Walton is that way, but he's that way about life. He is schooling life. Also joining us is Mr. Josh Black.
0: What's up, everybody? Uh, just want to say that uh, not playing a single-digit seed until at least the Elite Eight does not make you a basketball school. To update some of, my, some of my favorite lyrics: beating UNC, Kansas, and Kentucky makes you totally a basketball school. How y'all doing? Doing well. At Joshua B Black
1: on Twitter is where you can find him at college and mag is where you can find college magnolia.com if you have any problems with this podcast please send anything you have to that address at college and mag on twitter Um, anything you love about this podcast like how well I sound on microphone after having a pretty good cough last week really made my voice better this week which is a blessing and it's the silver lining Um, but as you know every silver lining has a touch of gray as the grateful dead once said and that is that we had to have the cough. So, guys, we have a little bit of news this week. One of them, also, you can hear my child, my two-month-old, is going to be joining us on this podcast at least until his mother comes and gets him.
2: What's his Twitter handle? Uh,
1: at, I guess he'd be at son of son of crow. Probably two, because probably some other joker has the one. Or <laughs> at son of crow on Twitter. Delete your account. I believe that I've yeah, proven myself to, to be the real Josh one. <laughs> yeah, at Josh Black.
3: Yeah,
0: at Chief
3: Relinquish, please.
0: <laughs> at Josh Black is some British guy who has a salmon that he's holding in his picture. No one cares about your fishing, British Josh. <laughs> has he tweeted in the last ten
1: years? Because I don't think that at Son of Crow has.
0: <laughs> oh
1: man, I got a tweet from British D the british d4 today which was nice always a good time to hear the, the british d Ford come on come on my my uh, timeline all right we have a news and his name is zep zep, zep brannigan no um, just i don't know who that is
2: Zep that from oh, oh oh come on future hour reference future hour oh, sorry yeah. uh i was more of a Billy's fan. Of Zeb Jasper from College Charleston will be uh, the new point guard next year. Don't know if he'll be starting or not until we find out more about Sharif. Um, But with all the transfers out, uh, it was a pretty big effort to go get an upperclassman guard for this team next year. Um, He's a – I like him, just looking at his numbers. Uh, You know, uh, PER is our favorite number on here. Uh, He would have been second on the team – uh, last year with PER twenty one point two behind only Shreve Cooper.
1: What's his SOS?
2: Uh, negative two point eight
1: seven. Didn't play a very good,
2: didn't play a very good schedule though, but there with there
1: C O C. Uh
2: no, I mean from all accounts, of it, I'm not gonna say I've gone and watched any of his game games from last year, but uh, he's he's an okay shooter, um, like thirty five percent from from deep. Um seems like he plays pretty good on ball defense. He's listed at 6'1", so he's you know, not one of those super undersized guards. Um, I, I don't know if the plan will be if Sharif leaves, if he is your starting point guard or not, uh, but he seems like he'll get pretty good minutes at the 1 and 2 next year. Um, Sharif all so. of a sudden is
1: on a free fall down NBA draft boards that was inexplicable at this time months ago
3: I I have to assume that they are now actually getting information from NBA teams rather than just making it up on their own it's
1: yeah it's a lot of the guys that I actually like super trust like yeah. uh, like the guy at the ringer Mark Sherman he is And O'Connor Kevin O'Connor is really good at this stuff and uh, they love they during the season they were tweeting all about how great Sharif was. And now when it comes down to putting up an actual big board, he's not in their top 15. Um, And I don't like – a guy that's not in the top 15 is not going to be a – he would be a shock if he is a lottery pick. That said, all that has to happen because he's going to declare, much like JT Thor did today, he's going to declare for the draft. Get this Mm – Bryce Brown declared for the draft for Pete's sake. Get this through your head, Auburn fans. He's going to declare for the draft. He's going to go through the process. It's not the end of the world. But if one team tells him, dog, listen, we're going to get you an eight. He's going to he's go pro. Yeah.
0: And it all it takes is one somebody team. Said this, the, somebody said this the other day on some other podcast that I won't mention here. But I, I think the tell is going to be, can his dad get assurances on him being a late first round guy at minimum? Because if he is, he's gone. You know, he's not going to grow anymore in the next year. So That's if he true. can get assurances on the first round, he's gone. But if his dad can't seem to get, and for those who don't know, his dad is an agent. Um, if his dad can't get those assurances, they, there's a pretty good chance he comes back. But The,
1: the issue that I, I would it, have it, with Sharif is that because his dad is an agent, that might, we don't really know, but that might be what got him into the situation he was in at the beginning of this uh, basketball season where he missed 11 games. Um, And I'd be interested to see if – because he can declare and not hire an agent, but his dad can have the same conversations an agent could have with NBA teams. So I don't know what that's going to look like for the entire So
0: Are you you inferring to Sharif posting a picture of him with a Maserati that his dad bought him that was above board and then provided proof of payment to uh, the car dealership on said Maserati to Auburn Athletics and the NCAA and yet mysteriously Sharif set out 11 games? Is that what you're referring to?
1: I'm referring to that. And I'm referring to the fact that African-Americans can own Marsalottis without having to do nefarious things, which is a wild concept to a lot of people in this country, I think, which is how he ended up in trouble.
0: Charles is not have that either. Let us be clear on this podcast. Mark Emmert should be fired and the NCAA should be set to smoldering ashes. The NCAA should should be into uh, – the NCAA should be crumbled – just from
1: the women's weight room issue. Like just women's basketball weight room issue alone is enough in normal circumstances to bring an organization down. An organization that, that, that professes to be about the athlete and about equal representation and opportunity and not a business. Tweeting out uh, the fact that their women are able to prove this is 100% a business, which means we are 100% employees of that business.
0: And, and yet, they are so stupid that they decide to celebrate their screw up by fixing it within twenty four hours by tweeting out, Oh, look at this big space where there's weights now. Yeah. Right after the fact. And so that, that makes everything okay. Yeah. Like, I I feel bad for one specific person who I know that works there who is awesome. She is a you know, all about female empowerment. She is a student she's a former student athlete. And I can just say, from you know having some cl- closeness to people in crisis communications, that it it's an abject failure at the top, and uh, they should be ashamed of themselves. And I feel really bad for their people in communications that have to try and uh, try and run circles around Mark Mark Emmert tripping over himself. It's well, shame. when you
2: have coaches that are still coaching in the tournament, basically shaming the ncaa in public and yeah they're not wrong i mean there's there's nothing they can really not only coaches
1: it, ryan like, you have the best the most the premier coaches in your sport in women's basketball
2: yeah.
1: are saying yeah this is a problem the ncaa needs to figure something the, the out. uh
2: the former u.s women's national team coach if i remember correctly
1: yeah do you know i mean he's not a <laughs> well, oh no, a no person. I'm
2: talking about
1: oh yeah and Mel Fortner, former auburn tiger coach
2: yeah yeah
3: I believe that'd be fired. Also, her. on top of all that, I would also like to point out that there are uh, multiple coaches that were implicated in a uh, FBI a sting operation coaching in this tournament uh, that never faced any consequences whatsoever for their actions, and uh, won't. In my my hot take is they won't, and no one else. Oh, ever they definitely will. won't. Um, one of them was run out of the uh, gym once again in the second round. Uh, the other night, for two tournaments in a row, in the okay. Kansas Jayhawks, that was a uh, pretty hmm. exciting to watch. But uh, yeah, I don't love
1: Kansas.
2: Wasn't sure if you were going for uh, Will Wade or Bush well, they didn't get run out of the gym. They um, yeah, it's still lost. They almost won.
0: Y'all, y'all, what Nato's did to him in the SEC tournament final yeah. is that's the only good thing that I'll say about Nato's because of who he <laughs> coaches for. But that was awesome. That's the only the problem awesome. is you
1: guys aren't seeing the big picture. Will Wade winning those games, like beating Michigan, especially? I kind of wanted them to beat Michigan because you know who hates "quote unquote" cheaters, Michigan fans.
3: Oh, and wow. it would have
1: been delightful to see them lose to Will Wade because they, well, they, they don't believe they don't believe they cheat. Ma'am
0: the whole thing's a sham Alabama did the exact you know paid for Colin Sexton through the same agent that Chuck Person had uh connections with and yet somehow Alabama fires a guy and you don't hear anything of it meanwhile we have two kids that are implicated they should have been implicated they were in the room uh they set out you know a year for Austin a year and a half for Dan Jill we fired the coach involved I don't think that it's in Bruce Pearl's interest to have his players try and sign with an agent while they're in the school, so that they can be ineligible. (laughs) And yet we forfeit a postseason. And I can tell you from what I know, we can't get a straight answer on if this thing is done. And you know, if uh, this podcast had a, uh, had a E a red E next to it, when you download it, you would hear me say (laughs) uh, far worse about it, but it's crap. It's absolute crap. And it's, you're, tar- you're targeting certain schools. Um, you're praying to God that this thing gets wrapped up soon. If you're the NCAA, though, because if this thing keeps getting dug up further, um, I think that you'll start seeing some heavier hitters uh, wave bye to the sport, and uh, that would that would include our uh, our most noble man in charge of uh, you know the great Duke Blue Devils. Oh boy. A well, guy who uh,
1: claims he's never cheated a day in his life.
0: I I do seriously think, though, I I, I think that we're going to be done with this soon for no other reason than they the NCAA at this point. If it keeps going and these schools all collectively come together and get pissed off enough, it's going to blow up in their face. And you're going to have this whole model um, get eradicated. And it's in the NCAA's best interest for this all to just get brushed under the rug at this point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And the model is going to be basically national leagues of collegiate sports organized by sport. And there will be a commissioner of collegiate football, a commissioner of collegiate basketball, and you'll report to that. And the NCAA won't have any reason to exist.
0: Also, be on the lookout for coaches leaving college football and college basketball for the pros in the next couple of years with NIL, because if they've got a built in advantage for cheating that oh, all yeah. of a sudden gets leveled out by NIL coming into existence, don't be shocked if certain coaches just say, you know what, I think I'm more of a pro guy. Yeah.
1: Well, it yep. will. Looking
0: at you, John Calipari.
1: NIL will <laughs> benefit teams. Like, for instance, if you are let's say USC and you, the quarterback at SC has a better opportunity to benefit from his name, image, and likeness than the quarterback at Memphis. And so you can probably out recruit a lot of teams just with that. So there are going to be some football teams like Alabama, Clemson, who already have a certain name associated to their brand that are going to use this as more of a recruiting advantage. But yes, the teams that like, In basketball? And basketball? Zion could have signed with anybody he wanted to. Zion could have signed with Indiana State. And all of a sudden Indiana State games are the highest rated games in the country. Because out of high school he was he had a
3: million Instagram followers. It it actually might make this push that's ultimately under the current model gonna be unsuccessful. Uh, uh, for athletes to start going play to play at HBCUs, that could actually work. Yeah, under under NIL, hundred percent it would uh, work. It could work because uh, Zion could have gone to like Morehead State or um, uh, you know Stillman. Yeah, or, if Zion you know, let's know. say
1: Zion goes to Tuskegee, and yeah. all of a sudden the Golden Tigers make the NCAA tournament, all of a sudden Zion could sell. T shirts, whatever, blah blah blah. First trip to the tournament in however many years. Make a ton of money. Yeah. Do you know do you know who the second most followed Instagram NCAA athlete is right now? Number one is Sharif O'Neill. Is it McClung? What'd you say? No, No, it's not Matt McClung. McClung? It's not Matt McClung. It's not a male.
3: It's not a male athlete. Um current NCAA current. athlete? It's a,
1: I can't remember what her name is. She's a gymnast at LSU and she has over a million Instagram followers and she is blonde. <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: that That's where the true NIL money is going to be made by the majority of these non-revenue sports is on, you know, yeah. platforms like Instagram where they can push yeah. their own personal whatever.
1: Equestrian like, students in, I think. Cheerleaders – there was an article in the Wall Street Journal about how um, in, uh, college cheerleaders who are not governed by the NCAA make – some of them make $100,000 a year more just on Instagram stuff because they are a part of the university they, and they're allowed to peddle whatever teeth whitening strips on Instagram for money.
3: <laughs> Advocare.
1: Yeah, like that's just the way – I mean, that's not a bad thing. If someone's going to pay them that much money to do that, then that is great for them. All right, let's – what else we got? We got. A, we had collegiate football at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Practice. An yeah. Open, open practice. A new thing on the Plains.
0: First time in since uh, 2008 we've had an open practice
1: crazy it's pretty that's pretty wild that that we never had one under gene or gus
2: i didn't know that was a thing that like ever occurred like i knew sometimes media <laughs> got to go to practice but the whole concept of anybody going to practice that i didn't that's not something that was yeah I, i've ever been a to, possibility in my head i went to at, practice at the practice
3: facility before yeah i went a couple of times
1: in college before i worked for the department just to hang they out
0: do a, they do they do a donor practice where I've been able to go with my dad a couple of times, but I'll tell you a little story and this should not surprise anybody that's listening to this or any of y'all. Um, at, yeah, I was with Rhett Lashley standing next to him at the reception of one of Gus's daughter's weddings. And I'm, I'm just going to let it out there a little bit more now that Gus no longer at Auburn. Um, and Rhett tells me like, this is how paranoid Gus is. Um, when he was, playing high school football at Shiloh or wherever he was, there were state troopers that would drive the highway by the practice field that had played high school ball at like their rival in that part of Arkansas, wherever the heck it was. And Gus would completely shut down practice. If he saw a police car driving down the highway, going to or from that field out of a paranoia over if, uh, if you know they they might be trying to steal our plays you know what i mean so it, he wrote a book with his should, plays in it dude it shouldn't it, there's only like six of them all right yeah, yeah. Only like six <laughs> but but i'm here to tell you like there is a reason why auburn has not had an open practice since 2008 and you know i love him i love that family but paranoid is is an understatement when it comes to uh how Arthur Gustav the III operated uh, at Auburn. What would have happened if Wakey Leaks happened at Auburn? Someone might have died.
1: <laughs> Wakey Leaks is one of my all-time favorite stories, only because they didn't lose all those games.
0: Look, look y'all think I'm joking, but Logan Young was murdered by Alabama people <sighs> for getting caught cheating. You don't do that crap in this state. Yeah. Get away with it. <laughs> Casually it's casual liable. It's casually yeah, liable. Casual. Yeah, the Memphis police, the day that Logan Young was found dead in his home with blood all throughout his house, the fell, up the, fell up, the stairs,
3: fell up the that's stairs. That's right. That's Let's right.
0: See. Fell up the stairs. Memphis police ruled it a homicide. The very next day, they're like, "No, it was accidental death," and closed closed the books on it completely within twenty four hours.
1: There was. It used to be an old saying that, like, if you were recruiting in Memphis. It was an NCAA violation. Like, just that. Like, just going into Memphis was an NCAA violation waiting to happen. I was just, Memphis was, for whatever reason, back then, it was like, it, no one owned it. And so it was the Wild West of South a ton, Eastern
3: ton Conference of, ton of talent there, too. That,
0: Our best products in the last 15 years out of Memphis are probably Darren Bates and Jovan Robinson. Read right. into if you will. Yeah. Whereas, like, now it's a Javon Robinson
2: <laughs> twice, right?
0: Yeah,
1: two times. Hey, man, that, I still Team think that could have worked He's
2: number one out. fan, Darren
0: Bates. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's not a fan of the Chisdom. Although, I, I sure am. has had some bangers recently, too, with the Chisdom. I, I, I literally look at him and go, you know what? He really shouldn't have been a football coach. He should have just done that. like Just been like a motivational speaker
3: should release a daily calendar with uh, Chisdom on there.
1: We all wear scars, either on the inside or outside. Never be embarrassed of your scars. It simply means you are stronger and tougher
0: than whatever tried to hurt you.
1: We're I disagree system.
0: with that. You should be embarrassed. You should be embarrassed by your scars if one of them is hiring Scott Leffler to run your <laughs> office. <laughs> You should be embarrassed by your scars
1: if one of them is SCAR, which is short for South Carolina Gamecocks, and you lost to them in football this year. And mm. then they fired Will most year. Ouch.
0: Good thing that. Uh, good thing that all of the uh, you know all of the true brains behind that operation in Columbia that upset Auburn is now yeah. running our offense. Yes. <laughs> good times. I,
3: yeah. I will hey, say whatever. though, when
0: we when we talk about practice, he did say something that like the Pat Die generation of Auburn people and honestly people like myself and James who were raised in, you know, late eighties, nineties, and, you know, really were in school during the top of the years. He said, you know, sometimes it's good to remind the kids that you're in the ballpark by getting under center and yes. running power. And yes. I got to tell you, there's, there's some lustful thoughts I had when I was thinking <laughs> about Auburn getting under center in an I formation and just knocking heads against each other. Yep. So I, I, the, the main takeaway that I have from practice that I had heard, I, I wasn't there. I don't think any of us were, but I think the main takeaway was just that you can tell that there's a different culture as far as these coaches with, 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 uh, how they're operating the word I I have heard out of the athletic complex, um, not just in spring, but in winter workouts is that there's a, there's a true like organizational infrastructure that is, extremely professional and the little things matter a lot more than they may have, uh, you know, in early December of last year. So, I mean, I, all things I heard were positive, except that our offensive line, you know, we haven't magically had some sort of, uh, left tackle angel descend to earth and, uh, replace anybody on our roster. So our (laughs) offensive line is still a trash heap. Bo Nix's footwork is still, um, wanting, but, uh, no, outside of those things, everything seemed, uh, it seemed everything seemed pretty positive. I'll, I'll just say I get excited when I hear that um, the special teams coach is dropping more mfers to the guys than any other coach on the staff because you know that you know that when the special teams coach is getting pissed off like that, something good's happening.
2: Yeah, yeah. for
0: sure.
1: I, <laughs> I think the, the I like the idea that of building the whole offense around the black box. You know, like the, the joke of, like, why don't they build the whole plane out of the black box? It's the one thing that seems to always survive the plane crash. There seems to be building the whole offense out of Tank, tank Bixby, which I think is kind of their goal. Because he's the one thing that seemed to look competent on offense last year. So I built the whole thing out of him.
0: I see, and I, I agree, but I also don't really know what we have at wide receiver because, you know, based on Nobody what does. Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz have been saying, you know, we don't really have a route tree. And so we haven't showcased that at any point really in the last eight years. So Xavion Capers and Elijah Canyon and Kobe Hudson are talented as heck, but I mean, you know, we just haven't been able to see it.
3: Yeah. The, and and on, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, for especially dudes have a lot to learn between now and, and, and the first game. Like they just have a, a ton of stuff. Cause uh, Gus's offense was simple and this, this one's not, I mean, it's, it's got a little bit of everything in it and they're going to have to learn how to, how to run a bunch of different stuff out of what sounds like a bunch of different sets um, where there'll be shotgun, there'll be power. Um, it, it it's going to be interesting to see if these guys can, can handle that. I, I think it, it was much easier to go from the kind of stuff we ran in 2008 to what we ran in 2009 than it is to go back the other way. Um, so that that's what I'm most interested to see. We won't we won't know. I mean, A-Day won't tell us any of this, and so we won't know until the fall. Um, yeah. But what I can say is the thing that I've noticed around the program – Uh, starting with the winter workouts is there just seems to be a different level of intensity around everything. Um, And if I had one thing that I could point at that, I just, you did not see it. You did not see this level of intensity. And I know a lot of of what we're seeing is is PR stuff, but it just seems like a different thing. And, And Auburn football looks like it's trying to be a completely different animal than it was last the, the last
2: 10 years. When's the last time Auburn football ran a play under center with a true fullback? Just, I, I, I can't tell you. I'm sure you guys probably can. I,
0: I mean, Jay Prosh was on the team in 2013. So there may have been, you know, right. one of those sugar huddles where we did it, but outside of that, it was 2012. Okay. Yeah. So um, that's, and the, chief, you bring up a good point with that. Like we, you know, I, I'll be the first to admit, I was thrilled to get away from Gus's offense in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought we made as abysmal of a hire, you know, in, in retrospect right. as we ever could have made. But, you know, I I have always thought that, you know, having more of an offense that, you know, tends to be complementary to what the pro game is doing. And I know the pro game is wide open and they're throwing it like LSU did, blah, blah, blah. But being able to be multiple is something that we've been lacking And um, you know, we really benefited from Jeff Grimes and his offensive lines that we had in in 13 and 14. And then we got lucky on the transfer market in 17. But you know, outside of that, the offensive line play for the better part of eight years has been garbage. Yeah. And so I was excited. I was excited in 2012 when we hired Leffler to get away from it. The problem was, is that we just hired the worst possible person to do. Couldn't have been a,
3: couldn't have been a worse guy.
0: Yeah. But, the transition to this, like, I, I know everybody thinks, oh, well, we've got Bo Nix coming back for a third year. You've got the same five offensive linemen coming back. You've got Tank Bigsby. My expectation, to be, like, to meet my expectation, I expect this is, this is probably a three-year full rebuild towards being able to compete for a championship. I don't expect this team to beat Georgia or Alabama. I don't expect this team to compete for the West for the next two years. Um, I think to fix this offensive line is going to take two to three years, and I don't think Bo Nix is it. Um, but if this team goes eight and four in the regular season and beats LSU and Baton Rouge and beats Penn State on the road and shows proof of concept, we need to be happy with what we've got. Sure. Um, and I, 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 to talk about the enthusiasm, it, you know, it's – It's not lost on me that we have the most successful and experienced head coach at Auburn right now that has ever been hired into this program. That's true. So we're we're in good hands right now, but I I would preach patience because there's going to be times this fall where it's not going to look pretty, just like certain times in in 2012 it didn't look pretty in transitioning to this. But I do believe we've got a higher level of competency on the staff than we ever could have dreamed about in the fall of 2012.
3: Yeah. Say what you will about Mike Bobo. He's not Scott Loeffler. So,
2: uh, He can think, coach quarterbacks.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think I mean, the problems, only thing I that I can cry about what defensive linemen do to him, but that's not his <laughs> fault. He can coach quarterbacks. I, I think the uh, the
3: only thing that could move the timetable up would be if we grab some some grad transfer tackles next year, something yeah. like that. Otherwise, I, I think you're right. I think it's year three is when when we'll see. Okay, is this what this is what we have? Uh, years one and two are just you know getting a feel for what we're going to be doing, what we're trying to do not necessarily seeing it work all the time like we want.
0: Yeah. And I just, I, I, I think next year we've got a shot at it. Like you said, I just, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to see Auburn win in Athens and I'm going to have to see Auburn win in Tuscaloosa before I'm ever going to get my hopes up on an even year ever again.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the world we live in now. Uh, Hey,
0: but at least nobody, nobody, none of our rivals are doing well in basketball, right? Uh, Right.
1: (laughs) Believe it when I see it, guys. Georgia still sucks, so
2: one of them still employs Tom Crean. So,
0: guys, Georgia in football next year—like this—is truly it. This is the best shot they will ever have under Kirby Smart to win a national championship, and. uh, I for one am here for whatever happens with that. <laughs> Maybe when they lose to Auburn. Oh, that'd be Georgia great. Schedule Get 2021, it
1: guys. If Brian Harson, if if Auburn oh, if Auburn no. beats Georgia in football in fall of 2020, and Brian Harson does some dumb thing like plants a flag at midfield <laughs> or lights a cigar. He does not seem to be that kind of dude. Or no. says, we beat the dog crap out of him, didn't we? It, can
0: can Mormons smoke cigars? I
2: don't think. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean. So, if, so, Georgia's schedule next year, and you, you guys know who they start with? Guess yeah, what? Right, it's you. Ugalaily and Clemson, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, Wait, so they start with they, Clemson for real? They season? start
2: with Clemson and Charlotte. If they win that game, they're going to be number one. Sure. And if they lose that game, everything could be in the tank. Oh. Because week two, we're all going to be cheering for UAB. <laughs> oh, man. Did we play them in September? October ninth. Okay. so I Play them
0: the week after we go to Baton Rouge. Like, seriously, no, Georgia has a two-game season in the regular season. Like, Tennessee is going to be ass. Florida loses so much. Georgia has to beat Auburn and Auburn and they have to win a neutral site game against Clemson. And honestly, I I know every year Alabama loses so much and it doesn't ever affect them. But When you lose your starting left tackle, your starting center, your starting running back, your Heisman trophy, winning wide receiver and your quarterback. Like if there is ever a year for it to catch up with them on one side of the ball, it's this year to where Georgia truly has no excuse this year, none. So everybody out there, Just go ahead and, you know, do what I'm doing and bookmark, you know, early January, Indianapolis, Indiana for the national championship game. George Bulldog's going to be pulling it out. It's going to (laughs) suck. But, you know, it's it's clearly George's year. And, you know, we all need to just be on board with letting them know that it's their year right now. (laughs) Well, they're they're going to be once in week
2: one and they're going to have to have a rematch in the championship game
0: and lose. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, what would be your favorite Chef thing kiss. for Brian Harson to do
3: after beating I, Georgia? Th- just act like
2: it's nothing.
1: Would it be Elaine Kipfer throw there's the no clipboard as high as
3: you can?
2: Was that? There's no love lost between Derrick Mason and Georgia, if I remember correctly. Oh. So, uh, I, I would like to see Harson just kind of not not make a big deal out of it, but let, let Derek Mason handle that one.
0: Dude, those two, you want to talk about a tag team. I I would love to see both of those guys bow up on anyone because they are both terrifying humans (laughs) up close.
1: I would like to see – Carson and
0: Mason both are jacked.
1: I would like to see the two of them take a microphone and do something a la Jesse James and Billy Gunn from the early New Age Outlaws,
0: Degeneration X era of WWE. I'd pay for one of them to punch Kirby Smart straight in the throat. <laughs> Derek, here's an extra $500 to punch Kirby Smart straight what, into
1: his what nose. I the fine
3: on that is. Uh, it's if,
1: if <laughs> hey, probably
2: less than Storm in the Field.
1: You know how much yeah. Kirby would hate it? He was a K-8. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! All right, cool. we're going to take a quick commercial ha- break. And
2: that's, uh, that, that's that level.
1: We'll do it's a quick commercial break and we'll come right on back. All right. And we're back. Uh, 35 minutes and 45 seconds into this power packed podcast. Guys, if you don't know today, which as we're recording, this is March 23rd, 2021 is two years to the day that a song called we Got Jared hit. SoundCloud and proceeded to blow up and change my life and everybody on this podcast's life in one way or another and College of Magnolia
3: for sure. It's a fun time. Yeah. Very it's fun time to be alive for really many reasons. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I kind of wanted to do like a, um, a special anniversary edition of this podcast we kind of talk about where we were when and we had just I remember correctly we had just it was, we were about to play Kansas we hadn't played Kansas yet
2: it was it was morning of
1: yeah yeah and I and it blew,
2: blew up like as they were coming back yeah so well, I, I recorded come. it
1: nap time the day before uh, and then because my wife and kiddo were driving around Auburn trying to go to sleep. And mm-hmm. I was in the guest room on at a stand-up at a desk. At a high-top table, I turned into a stand-up desk. And I recorded it. It took 30 minutes, 30, 35 minutes, because <laughs> I wrote... the I had the, the chorus, but I had to write the rest of the lyrics outside of the chorus. And then posted to SoundCloud, closed through laptop, met my wife and kiddos at the, kiddo at the front door, and tried to get her into her crib. And that was it. Like, that was the end of it, as far as I was concerned. And then I went on well, College Magnolia and posted that I did it. And I was like, hey, recorded this, could be fun.
3: Well, tell us about the, the genesis of the uh, of the lyrics to the song, where, where, where you started with those. So, as you guys know, especially Chief, I,
1: watch a lot of international soccer. And this is this is a hilarious story. So there was a comedian in England who recorded um, We've Got Sala um, about... A guy named Kevin Murphy wrote We've Got Sala about the um, Liverpool Football Club. And he did it in 2018, the year before... Right after they beat um okay, they beat somebody in the Champions League.
3: So much more fun time because they had never won the Premier League. They never world. won
1: anything. And <laughs> he was he was, he's from a, um, a city called Cork in England. And he was um, doing Wait, a, is he
3: from Ireland? He's well, probably from Ireland.
1: He might be, but he was doing a, a really hilarious accent. He was kinda like yeah. putting forth this like dorky persona. And he sat, sat in front of his computer and goes, my name's, you know, uh, Kevin Murphy. I'm Cork's biggest Liverpool fan. And I got this new song. I'd love it if the people in the stands sang it one day. And he just plays this song. We've got Salah. And it blows up. And people don't realize that he's doing a bit. And then next thing you know, Liverpool fans are singing it at their next match. He's on all these big like television shows in Liverpool and various cities in England. They're seeing it, and he becomes this like celebrity. The trajectory of his life is the exact as mine. We've got Jared. So I put it out. It's kind of a joke I did for this website. I didn't think it was that serious, that big of a deal. It blows up. Fans are seeing it as the team comes back within a week. Like it was, it's bizarre. It's bizarre how it caught on. But yeah, so that, I heard him sing We've Got Sala. I thought it was super catchy because it's just, it's the Archies. It's Sugar Sugar and it's like one of the most catchy tunes in the history of music.
3: And this was the first, first song you, you had recorded, right? You, you, you're one of your steady articles on the site. You would write lyrics to songs. Yeah. Crows, uh, Crows
1: Karaoke. Yeah. And that was usually a football article. So, I wrote songs to right. a football article. And one of them was a Lay Miz. The one I'm most proud of was yeah. a Lay Miz one that was like incredibly long. And I remember my wife saying, like, you should record that. And I was like, no, there's no way. It's like six parts. It would take me a week.
0: But it was all about,
1: it was all about like, uh, it was about the 2018 Iron Bowl and how if right. Gus won, he would save his job. And if he didn't, he would lose, blah, blah, blah. Um but then so she said, all right, whatever, you should record your next one. So my next one that I ever did was We've Got Jared. I'll record this one. No big deal. I uploaded to the site. And then apparently the word that I got was a gamer playing. It may have been COD, it may have been Call of Duty, it may have been Fortnite. It was
3: fort- Fortnite at that time, that was, was
1: yeah, huge. A
0: yeah. guy
1: playing Fortnite, I don't know who he was. So shout out to that guy. <sighs> was playing Fortnite against Daniel Purifoy, and
2: I hadn't heard this part of the story. Yes,
1: and yeah. said, "Hey man, <laughs> you gotta check this out," and sent him the SoundCloud link. Uh,
3: Twenty. Uh, n- 19 sex champion, uh, Daniel Purifoy. Is yes, that who we're talking about here. Yes, okay. <laughs>
0: Sent him. The, uh, uh, I don't think that was just 2019 <laughs> sex champion.
3: <laughs> so then Daniel, yeah, 2018 played. as well. We 20, want to leave uh,
1: 18 and uh, 19 back to back. Almost regular season, yeah.
2: Um, well, he only back to back's how it works. But oh
1: man, <laughs> <laughs> well. So you know, then, so, that was the next day. Daniel takes it into the. He was the one who took it into the locker room and plugged his phone into the ox. Yeah. And that was where Chuma's Instagram of everyone dancing was. Danielle plugged his phone in and was playing the song because he had heard it the night before. And that would we have been. Have had,
3: we should have had Tuesday. Thomas on to talk about this this part of it, since he was he was actually there in the locker room when this happened, uh, Thomas S- Northcut.
1: So it was. Yeah, we should have. So Sunday, the song goes live. Monday, nothing happens. I think there may have been, you know – hundred listens maybe. A hundred <laughs> listens like normal, everything else we do. Most of them related to one of us. Then all of a sudden – because it, it went into your podcast feed too. So if you subscribe yeah, right, to the podcast, right. you got it in your podcast feed. So then all of a sudden, Chuma's Instagram story goes up. And now, it just starts getting tons and tons and tons of listens. Somewhere in there, um, Booski on Twitter makes a music video of the song. And actually, she may have, I think, that may have been Monday.
0: She did a great job. That thing was awesome.
1: She made it on Monday. So before Chuma's Instagram story, she makes this music video Mm. and, and gives it for free to Jack to put on. College of Mac, so he does with the song. Tuesday, it's played in, I might have these dates on, I think Tuesday it's played in the locker room. Before noon, I had over 100 or so notifications on my phone. (laughs) And it was like Instagram, Twitter, everything was blowing up because anybody who knew me and had seen this was like, you don't understand they're playing this in the locker room. So it was like, normally my wildest dreams would have been a bunch of fans find this song. They think it's fun. And right. then eventually the team finds out the concept of the team finds out first. And then the fans <laughs> find out never crossed my mind. Cause I like, I feel like these guys are so insulated. I didn't account for overly online game. purifier Yeah, Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so
2: I, yeah, Do I'm you guys know how many, how many, how many views and listens we're at to now? I have no clue. So it's on SoundCloud and it's on YouTube. SoundCloud, just just take a guess. Eight million. And eh, not quite. <laughs> it's a very Auburn esque number. Uh, Thirty four thousand listens. Nice. Oh wow. On YouTube, the video has ninety two thousand views. That's just
1: one of the videos. Because a bunch of other people. <laughs> yeah, that, made that's videos. our
2: College of Mag video, and Boosky yeah. did it too. Um, it's, it's incredible, right hey.
1: Yeah, a bunch of people made videos, um, and then I put it on Spotify. Randomly, and I—I I actually don't know how to get the money from that.
3: Yeah, I think it took you a while to get it. Are on you there too. serious?
0: It's I, on. I freaking—I freaking bought it on iTunes, and you didn't get those two cents from me in well, royalties. <laughs> I can get it somehow, but
1: I don't like. It, I have an account with this website that put it on those things for me. Yeah, and I have a balance of. I'm looking at it right now. I have a balance of forty five dollars and eighty six cents. Nice. That belongs to me. Um, and I just don't know how to get that money. I'm gonna have to figure that out. I have, I think, I have to fill out a W two, which is what I haven't wanted to do. I, I think,
3: I think, unfortunately, it, that it like took it a while to get on there too. So it was like it almost, It was almost past. It was yeah. definitely past peak.
1: It was like well forever. into April, May,
3: that yeah. it got on to to SoundCloud. Uh, I, I'll say uh, on, on my part, of, is I think. I don't even think it was the college and mag uh, slack where I first saw that it was in the locker room. I think somebody totally random was like, Hey, have you seen this? This is, uh, this is hilarious. And, and that sort of, and then we talked about it in in the slack, but then that sort of thing kept happening. People that I knew were like, "Eh, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Yeah. Uh, The, the funniest thing though, was going to the final four and just it it was in the ether, like people were just talking about it. You'd hear people playing it on their phone. Different versions were coming up at that point, uh, like the choral version. Uh, it it was it was crazy. Uh, it
2: made just, it into the mix at uh, at Sky for the DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was
3: just wild how it far it spread and how wide it spread. And it, it like, I I don't think you could have been paying attention to Auburn basketball in in March and April of 2019 and and not know this, not know this song. And people still will bring it up now. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was everywhere. Uh, Bruce
2: even dropped it in the uh, post-game yeah. press conference uh, after right. the Elite Eight win.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah,
1: uh, I think – so now we're at – we've just beaten Kansas – I think North Carolina was next and we had a week of this kind of madness. We're like March madness, if you will. So Mm -hmm. then like, like one of those days, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, I go to a coffee shop, Ross house coffee. And if you're ever in Auburn, it's a good spot to get coffee. Um, and I'm, and I'm like sitting there having a, having an espresso and I hear a college student open up his laptop and hit play on my song so that one of his friends can hear it. He hasn't heard it yet. And that was like the first time I'd ever heard somebody I didn't know listening to it. And I was like, this is bizarre. And I, and I, Hey, that's me. Blah, blah, blah. I kind of talked to him about it. Then before we played Carolina, I was driving in Auburn. It was a beautiful day. And a guy in a Jeep had his top, had his you know, roof down. And he was listening to it like in the car,
3: blasting it, going down Magnolia. Like, like I would have listened to uh, 311 back in my college days. Right. Exactly. Or yesterday.
2: Or, or
1: yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> so, again, like, it's starting to get weird. I'm starting to feel like The Wonders. And Ryan, The <laughs> Wonders were a fictional band in a movie called <laughs> That Thing You Do, which is maybe Tom Hanks' most underrated film.
2: Usually this is a joke bit, but uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about on that one, so... That thing you did is
1: Lord. amazing, Ryan. <laughs> that may be our next film film club. That thing you do is one of my all time faves. Um, did, did Did you mention the uh, the green space event yet? No. So that was oh, I forgot about that. That
2: was after we beat Carolina, wasn't it? Was that the week between the final, or I guess the two weeks between the final four and the Elite Eight game? I think so. So we beat
1: Carolina. The week, I don't know. They play the song at the game. Because like yeah, it,
0: at the end of the game,
1: within yeah. like four day within a couple of days, that movement had happened on Twitter. People were like, "You guys got to play the song," and then all of a sudden, a kid in the band was like, "Oh, you mean this?" and like published a picture of
0: the pet band sheet music
1: arrangement. Of it. Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: Well, and Crow, remember, too, like at the North Carolina game, the team was dancing before the game to it. And Malik yeah, was right. boogieing down. And like the entire Auburn beat, like shout out to Ferg and Josh Vitale and some of those guys, because the entire Auburn beat got hooked on it. And everybody started blowing it up on Twitter when the band was playing. It, it, it was it became a phenomenon by the time Sweet 16 happened.
1: Uh, yeah. Tom Green. Tom Green. Yeah, Tom Green. I keep, I keep thinking I'm, I'm saying it. No, it is Tom Green. His name really is Tom Green. Tom Green. <laughs> and I kid you not, Brandon Marcello, I believe, were the first two to actually write pieces about the song. And both of them did a really good job about it and called and got my name right and all that stuff. But yeah, Ferg and Vitali were like, bam, bam, bam. This is every time they're playing it. And um, then you
3: got the big interview with Jeff Shearer. And
1: right? then Jeff Shear calls me. Alabama sports well, uh,
3: journalism that's personality. funny too because
1: he yep, calls here. me – he meets me in front of yeah, I was the, there for that. the arena. And that was after they beat North Carolina on the way back in. It was like the reverse yeah. Tiger Walk. And he interviews me at that point and just puts a video of me on Twitter. Then he like did a sit-down interview and just like never published it. And then published it like <laughs> almost a year later almost. Like it was like a wow. weird – Amount of time it, like had gone by and, oh, my husband's on the website. But he used to live in my neighborhoods. I saw him all the time. But yeah, super nice guy. Um, and he interviewed me. And that was kind of the first time as he's interviewing me, people around me at that reverse Tiger Walk are realizing that I'm the guy who we got Jared. And so that was bizarre. Because now they're like crowd around me. And then, so he beat Carolina, reverse Tiger Walk, Ryan – was there because a some band? Shout out to them, the Magic Johnsons, a college band at Auburn which a, with a great name. <laughs> wanted me to come sing with them at the Green Space by what is I guess now Chief Hale, the old the new Foy. I guess I don't know. I don't go on camp. I didn't go on campus that much. So all the bus
2: stop, uh, all the white tents are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They set up a stage, and there was this like concert to benefit something or other. And they had a set, and at the end of their set, they called me on stage to sing "We've Got Jared." And we played a live version of "We've Got Jared." What time I ever performed it live? That was weird. One of
3: two, one of two times you've performed it, correct? Period. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I had to
1: have my phone out with the lyrics on my notes app. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so now at this point is when. I meet Josh Black somewhere around this time because we didn't know each other.
0: We had met each other once at um, the tailgate that James and Lydia right. do. And all I, all I remember about you, you were on your bike, you weren't going to the game, and you were wearing some weird-ass hat that I later learned was <laughs> a cycling hat. Right. I had no idea. I had no idea that cyclists wore those little hats. Yeah, a little hat. That's what I associated you with is oh, that's that crow guy that had the funny hat. That like after I had after we got Jared, I was like, okay, cycling, and actually did an image search to find out. Oh, I'm a dumbass. This is what they all wear.
2: <laughs> this is not too many of an Auburn. When
1: when Josh Dub met me that following fall, we'd already met but Chief, and I didn't realize who it was for. An yeah. hour. <laughs> but the next time I met him. That following fall, I pull up on my bike and he was like, oh, so you just stay on brand 24-7. <laughs> it's like, yeah, stay on brand. <laughs> so yeah, so Josh reaches out to me via Twitter because of this song and because you read a blog that I wrote a long time ago about my father passing away. So you read that, you reach out to me, we became friends Almost instantaneously, um, which was really cool. And then, um, within like days, it was like we were really close friends, and crazy things started happening because of that. <laughs> so, you were able to tell me some sort of insight, some inside baseball that was happening. That I didn't realize, like, hey man, be prepared. The team is going to do this. The band's going to play it, or whatever, like that kind of stuff. The Final Four is coming up. I have no intentions of going. None. Because I'm doing disaster relief work for my old job in Beauregard because the tornado that had come through during the SEC tournament. And I'm like, look, I got all this work on my plate. I got a, a trip, a group coming in, and I'm taken out to do this disaster relief the week of you got the got Final one-year-old Four.
2: a one year old at the time, too, right?
1: I have a one year old at the time. I have no money. So the option of, and like tickets to Minneapolis are getting more and more expensive every mm-hmm. yeah. time you looked.
0: For, for context for how expensive they were, uh, before the Kentucky game, they were like 300 bucks a pop out of Atlanta. Yeah. As soon as we beat Kentucky, they spiked to over $2,000 to where Jessica and I drove from Birmingham to Minneapolis <laughs> and back because it was far cheaper yeah. than to fly
3: It was uh, cheaper to do the package through Auburn than it was to just buy your own flight out of Atlanta at that point. It was insane. That
0: ought to tell you something.
1: It was really, really insane. And even though really cool people were sending me money on Venmo at Senator Crow on Venmo for the song, it wasn't enough money for me to be like, yeah, I'll spring for a plane ticket." But then all of a sudden, someone did. So someone out of the blue said, you, one of my mom's friends, actually, who doesn't even have... Well, now she does have a connection to Auburn, but she didn't at the time. <laughs> she was like, no, he's got to go. How much does it cost? <laughs> me and a couple other ladies are going to figure it out and we'll get in there. So all of a sudden, like, the night before the game, I get a FaceTime from Josh, and I don't know I'm going to the game yet still, right? Josh FaceTimes me. I'm like, oh, hey, Josh FaceTime FaceTiming me. We've never FaceTimed before. This is probably cool. He's probably in minneapolis is going to show me the final four hotel.
0: so let me just interject real quick so i i'm on the other end of this phone and i i pro literally answers with his face and i just go hey hold on a second what he doesn't know is i'm crouched down like trying to stay out of the way because i'm on the phone and i'm not wanting people to like get in the background and i'm not wanting to be weird about it because i hate facetime but i'm crouched down and you have to think I, i can only imagine what's going through your head of like what the hell is he doing? Yeah, where like, <laughs> are you? I, I'm a big guy, and so for me to be crouched over and kind of hiding somewhere is an is an awkward sight in normal circumstances. But especially for a dude who's never met me, who's now getting a Facetime from me, I I can only imagine what was going through your head.
1: We didn't know. I didn't know what you looked like, so Facetime was first time i seen your face, assumed it was you. Then you said. <laughs> Wait a second. And I don't remember you like texting me, like what was going on. It's like, oh, Josh, I'm assuming you're FaceTiming from Team Hotel. Maybe he's going to show me the team coming in. And yeah,
0: no, I did. It all was, it, it all just, it, it, it all was meant to be. It was a God thing.
1: Yeah. Cheers. So then you turned around and said, hey, and handed the phone to Bruce Pearl, who was like, oh, hey. <laughs> so next thing I, so now I'm FaceTiming with Bruce Pearl about. We got Jared from my <laughs> daughter's bedroom. And Shout my, out to your wife for t- taking the best picture of that. It is hilarious. That picture is so good. Uh, she grabbed her phone immediately. It was like, bam! <laughs> Again, my wife who does not care at at all about sports, especially college sports, does not care at all. Um, boom! Picture of that, and it was so. It was so. Also to my wife who doesn't know I'm saying this uh, about six or eight months later, I find out that she's got a bookmark bar on her computer of articles about we've got Jared that she's bookmarked. <laughs> never oh, brought it up to oh. me. So we've never talked about it. It's one of those <laughs> hilarious peaks into my marriage. But so, so I am FaceTime and Bruce Pearl. Don't think I'm going to the game because it's tomorrow and I'm in Auburn and then I get a phone call. I hang out with Josh. I get a phone call from my mom and says, she says, you need to check your Venmo balance because I think you have enough money to fly to Minneapolis. And so I look at my Venmo balance. I'm like, holy crap. Like somebody gave me like so, a couple of people Venmoed me so much money. I book a round trip flight on Spirit Airlines I take the airport shuttle from Auburn, which is awesome. If you live in Auburn and you haven't done that yet, you should do it. It's, it's worth the money. Take that at like 4 a.m. I'm at Hartsfield at 7. My flight is at 8. I, I am in Minneapolis before lunch and uh, don't have a place to stay. So <laughs> then <laughs> I begin texting people. Who's here? Where can I sleep? I find a guy I know from my fraternity, Anthony Lascaglia. Shout out to Anthony. He lives in Dallas. He's an attorney here in Dallas. He was staying at a a hotel on the University of Minnesota's campus, which is awesome, by the way. Great campus. Great restaurants. So that's where I stayed that night. So I go there first, throw my stuff down, and then try to make it to the game. Here's something people didn't know. So I meet up with Josh and those guys at the hotel before the game. On the way to the game, I get a phone call as I'm walking into the arena. No, I didn't meet up with you before the game. So I met up. I don't know where I went before the game, but I went into the arena.
3: You came You came
1: over. You to, were with uh, I saw Chief. Yeah, yeah. You came over and, to, to – Then Art I had Boys. to go meet uh, – Juice. The Juice is good. The Juice is good on yeah, Twitter. He, right. I bought my game ticket from him. I get a phone call from Jason Gay of the Wall Street Journal as I walk into the <laughs> arena. Jason Gay is the best. He's the only person in the journal that I read anything he writes. He's also a massive cycling fan, and I had so much I wanted to ask him. Didn't know he was calling me. He calls me. Hey, it's Jason Gay of the Wall Street Journal. If Auburn wins today we are going to run a story on the front page of LawlessToJerome.com about We've Got Jared. Ugh. So,
0: Man. I do... Go to hell, Ty Jerome. I do a 10-minute no.
1: interview with Jason Gay about who I am, what the song is, what it's like, all this stuff. Um, and and then, hang up. And he's like, yeah, I'm in town. If y'all win, come up to, come to the bar, blah, 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 blah. I'll buy you a drink. I was dumbfounded that that happened (laughs) so then i make my way down to the where josh is sitting and the only person who can back me up on this is josh so josh is sitting and like a couple of rows away from josh are gus and christy malzahn and josh gets their attention because josh is now like Mean Gene Okerlund at this point. And he is, he is my second my second wrestling reference of the night. So Josh is, is talking me up. He's hyping me up to anybody he can meet, letting everybody know that I'm the guy who wrote the song. And he sees um, Gus, calls Christy over, who then gets Gus over. Yeah, so, I really like your song. So Christy, <laughs> Christy loves the song. Gus, I'm assuming, has heard it. Um, it's pretty good. I take a picture with Gus. So Josh knows this is the truth. As I'm taking a picture with Gus, there are two women standing behind Christy and Josh waiting. You are obviously waiting for this photo op to be over. Everyone, including me, including Gus is assuming to take a picture with Gus. They are not, they are waiting to take a picture with me. (laughs) So Gus goes back and sits down and Josh takes a picture of me and two random women that I've never met because they like the song. God's Honest Truth, one of the weirdest things. Then Josh walks me it's all true. the way down to the court. Do you remember that, Josh?
0: These oh, women? yeah. Oh, yeah. I pulled Alan Green away from Grant Hill to talk to you. <laughs> you pulled Alan Green away from Grant Hill. That was so good. Oh man, yeah, and Alan Green was like, "Oh, Stephen a song Lee, dude. Stephen Lee's kind of kind of blew you off, but you know what? Oh, oh, damn,
2: shocker,
1: yeah, you know what? Turns out not a great dude.
2: Um, <laughs>
1: probably didn't know the song existed. So then we, uh, I go to my seats. The game goes great until the very end when it doesn't. Uh, we go. I have never been more sad at the end of a sporting event in my entire life.
3: Neither man. <laughs>
1: I walk back out of the arena and I am just trying to walk my way back to the team hotel because I think I'm gonna stay there that night. But I probably yeah. was gonna t I think I no, I took a cab yeah. back to my hotel that night and then back to the, the campus University of Minnesota, and then I stayed at the team hotel the next night. Anyway, I go to the team hotel though because I'm gonna meet everybody at the bar. Right. And I'm standing at this corner in Minneapolis. I don't actually know how far I am from the hotel. I just know which direction I'm supposed to walk in. And I see these two older people with Auburn gear on. And I'm talking to them. I forgot about this part. (laughs) And I'm talking to them about the game and how sad it was. And they have very thick Northeastern accents. Extremely thick. And uh, they... A car pulls up and is an Uber. And they said, well, do you want to split an Uber? We're going back to the same hotel. I said, great. So I get in the Uber with them. And we're talking a little bit more. And come to find out, it's Bruce Pearl's aunt and uncle. Like, So I'm in this car with Bruce Pearl's (laughs) aunt and uncle. And we are just having a blast. And just talking about everything about Bruce. About how good he's done at Auburn. His aunt is, you know... Calls him like Little Bruce, and oh, he's doing so well at Auburn, and blah blah blah, and how like they are just amazed at how Auburn just embraced him immediately. And we get to the hotel, and it's like that whole family is there, like Bruce Pearl's entire extended family is in the is in the building, and we all walk in together, me and his aunt and uncle, and like all of his <laughs> cousins and whoever else, like we're all walking around together, um, and then. I'll say this: like, if you are an Auburn fan, that was the worst moment in Auburn history in a lot of ways. But the best place to be in Auburn
0: history was that hotel lobby. Was, yeah, the only thing I can say about that night in the hotel lobby is that you know, it, and this is for Bruce. Uh, you know, you think about an not a funeral, but an Irish wake. Well, for Bruce, this was a Jewish wake.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I <laughs> mean, truly, like, we, 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 we were so bummed, especially watching the second game, knowing that we were better than both of those teams. Yeah. But, like, to be in that place with each other, and, you know, for people that weren't there, which is, I'm sure, the vast majority of this listening audience, Bruce Pearl shows up in the suit that he wore from the game to the bar, his family's there. Chris Pearl speaks and spends time with literally every single person there yeah. before he even sits down. And I mean, he is beat, exhausted at the, the, you know, the most gut-wrenching loss of his career. Takes time for every single person there. But uh, I uh, what I remember most about that is uh, still trying to play the part of Mean Gene Overland and run running, running an <laughs> interference you got – Make sure you got to meet Mamadou and Jai. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think you got to spend a little time with BP, too, didn't you? A little bit. I got to spend a lot of time with Gus and Christy that night, which was yeah, kind of great. That, that, that was the weirdest thing. I saw Gus Malzahn look like he was lost because he <laughs> had to go to the hotel counter and actually check into their room on behalf of he and his wife. Yeah. And yeah. I'm... That's the only time in the last 12 years that just Malzahn has had to check into his own hotel room.
1: He's, like, fumbling for his credit card. Like, it's – It was it, You it can was tell funny. he hadn't done it
3: in a while. That was really funny. I, I, I. That's one of the things I remember. It was us three standing there watching that happen. Like, this is <laughs> – And Christy cool. was there
0: right there with us. I also – Yeah, and, you know, have a lovely conversation with Christy about, um, you know – what an upstanding person Kirby Smart is and all of the oh, personal definitely. integrity that he shows in, yeah. in every aspect of his life. I believe at
1: that. So we, we also did mention that every single member, but I think two of the team came up. Yeah. And I think only Samir yep. and Jared didn't. Yeah. Um, and Samir, right. you can understand why Samir wouldn't have come up. And then Jared, I think Jared just took the loss super hard and just went to his room.
2: He he um, had some missed free throws late in the game that also were pretty heavy.
1: Yeah, so, so Jared, I can understand both of them. Jaron Samir yeah. didn't come up, but everybody else did, and like
0: took pictures and hung out and like. Which player was from Texas that you Jay bon. like you immediately? Jay bon. Jay bon. Yeah, Jayvon. So so you like called out where he was from, and, and you I, I, you told him where you were from, and y'all immediately like. <laughs> yeah. There was this Texas so, bond that happened immediately.
1: He called me a legend which was awesome.
0: He was like, oh man, you're a legend.
1: I was like, no dude, you are a legend. So we talked, because he's from Katy, and we I talked a little bit, because I went to junior college in high school to, for dual credit, and then I took some classes in the summer, summer school there, at a junior college that played against the junior college he went to. So we talked a little bit about JUCO sports and stuff like that, but like, he, uh, yeah, immediate bond. The other guy that I got that good conversation with was Marquise Daniels, yeah. because of the the Mavericks. So I, can't, I went up to him and talked a lot about the Mavs and the '09 Finals, especially because I asked him, you know, point blank, like <laughs> this hurts worse than the 0-9 Finals, doesn't it? He goes, Oh man, no question, like.
2: Did you get to commiserate about Avery Johnson at that point or no? No, I should have brought that up.
1: Like, man, how big of a piece of, no- of nonsense is Avery Johnson
2: <laughs> at the time? Current Alabama head coach, or maybe just fired Alabama coach?
1: If only, if only his reign would have lasted forever. Uh, just a couple yes. more years. They could have should have kept him. They didn't. They didn't give him long enough. He was building a program, and they just didn't realize it. <laughs> Nate Oates is winning. I had with, to buckle up. Nate Oates is winning with Avery's players. That's <laughs> what they don't understand. <laughs> So I am, uh, I mean, it was sad, but then we go back.
0: The team flies back that night because. Bro, I'll also just say I, the, uh, we drank a bottle of plantains that night mm. okay. and, uh, I still have the top to that bottle of plantains in my, in my closet that it just says FF, uh, 19 on it but you know just for proper context for the grief that we were experiencing yep. we kill, we killed a bottle of blanton's and then we switched to, i think to makers or uh or something like that because they ran out of blanton's cuz we drank it all um it was a good night to drink a lot of the brown
1: water there was uh they were they were running out of whiskey i believe pretty quickly at that
3: it was a. Uh, it was not a great night of service at the bar. I'll say. I'll say no, that. No, because
1: I think they didn't realize there were only right. going to be three people working. Yeah. Right. And like, and also we were across the street from the Texas Tech bar, and randomly we would get some runoff, and we can't yeah. like, a bar can't keep up with Texas Tech people drinking by themselves. You definitely can't have them adding on, to other yeah, people. I, it was uh, a
3: <laughs> that 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 was the only. Uh, issue but really i i just now thought about that when you were because i remember when you when you killed the bottle of blanton's uh and you got that top and then that reminded me i was like oh yeah it was really hard to get a drink like i was getting like three drinks at a time because i knew that it would be i wouldn't be able to get
2: and
1: after tech lost to virginia if you remember they were lighting Lime scooters on fire. <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: yeah, it was <laughs> a, a wild
3: night out on the streets. Uh, I've, they've seen wilder since, but yeah. Um, <laughs> we it, it the, the thing that the thing that you uh were were mentioning though, like it was like we were on our in in our own little bubble. There, yeah. we were all far away from home. Nobody knew the city. Nobody knew anything. But we had our own little bubble there,
1: it and it all was all like, people.
3: It was all Auburn people. And, and it was regular people like me to uh, Randy Campbell was hanging out there. Like, uh, and then all the players, Mamadou I rolled up in there, which was great. Uh, as, as Josh mentioned earlier. Um,
0: there were a the- lot of people there that were flying out on a private plane the next morning yeah. while I was getting up at 4 a.m. <laughs> to drive across the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The long That's, way. That, that should tell you the, the mix of people. There's a guy there that drove across the country the next morning. Then there were people that were like, oh, I'll just stay up all night and hop on the jet.
2: Yeah.
1: And I, yeah. I, it, was, it was the next day the team flew out because the NCAA won't allow them to stay an extra night because that's an, that, that is an extra benefit to stay an extra night at a hotel. So dumb. So the team had to fly out that night, actually. Yep. They had to fly out that night after they lost. They had to pack their stuff and get on a plane. Um, and they flew back to Auburn, and so then they had the like team welcome back thing at the arena the next day. Yeah,
3: yeah which we all missed.
1: We all missed it because we were at the hotel still. Trying, and I'm trying to find flights out as soon as yeah. possible because I didn't want to stay for yeah. the game. I was game.
0: probably in Wisconsin by that point in time. Yeah,
1: Josh, and, <laughs> Josh and his wife were having conversations over the Mississippi River somewhere, and. Yeah. And uh well, the next when, day
3: though we we met uh a couple of moms,
1: right? That's uh, we met Javon McCormick's mom. Yeah, and uh Malik's mom. And Malik's mom, that's right, at the bar. Yeah, we basically Chief and I stayed at the hotel bar yeah. holding court because there was nowhere else to go. Yeah,
3: there's nothing
1: I went to a, a pretty them. awesome burger restaurant that Yeah, day. we
3: went yeah, that was awesome. The place ruled. So uh, have no idea what the name of it was. It was, it was a good. long
1: walk though. It was a long walk from the hotel. It was, Buddy it was Mike the showed
3: second, up. Second saddest meal I've ever had, though, because yeah. I hadn't eaten until then. After yeah, the first number one saddest meal I've had was uh, after the uh, national, the next day after the national title game out in California. I was sitting by myself in a car eating an In and Out burger. <laughs> saddest <laughs> meal of all time. <laughs> the, that was the second saddest
0: meal, but at least there were other people there to share. And it was. A- it was one of the fifteen best you burgers needed. of my life. <laughs> it's not hard to one up yourself. Just go like eat lunch by yourself inside <laughs> on a Tuesday, and I promise you, you can have a new number one on your list. <laughs> well I've, a, done <laughs> I've done Wendy's, that a lot. There's a Wendy's between, yeah. there's a Wendy's on eighty five between
1: there's a Wendy's on eighty five between Atlanta and Auburn. And it's in Georgia. What exit? I can't remember it's in Georgia, but it's between Atlanta and Auburn. It's it's a right exit when you're going towards Atlanta. And it's right there off the highway.
3: Noonan? no uh, Peachtree City
1: no it's it's closer it's to Auburn it's closer to probably
2: Hogansville and it oh, is yeah. the
1: That's saddest restaurant I've ever been in I've eaten at, <laughs> I've eaten there once and I sat there and got a Wendy's burger or whatever I was in college and I was like this is everybody in there looked like they were just like ready to end it it was a bad mood in the whole place anyway
3: yeah that great burger joint though was me you Gulson and uh, uh, your buddy from uh, my buddy college, Mike. Right? Yeah,
1: my buddy Mike yeah buddy Mike. So Michael was with with us, and uh yeah, and that's where he he disclosed to me that he lives near enough to a bar in Nashville that he can connect to the jukebox.:
3: Oh, no, that's right
1: <laughs> on his phone, and we'll just just play what's New, Pussycat a thousand times in a row <laughs> on that bar. <laughs> when he's not there and just Legend. breaks. <laughs> anyway, so we uh we 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 ate there, we came back. We 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 had a good time with some of the beat writers, um, but as the team is in Auburn, they're having this event, and Rod Bramblett plays. We've got Jared, and then kind of announces the team, and and there's this video somewhere it exists, I'm sure, of everybody sitting and the the song playing and like all of the people in the arena singing the song, like serenading the team. It was a really cool moment to not – even, especially for me not being there. It was a really cool moment to hear my voice playing in Auburn Arena in front of the team and all that. Um, and then like they did – they turned the music off and the, the students just kept singing it, which is also super, super moving and super cool. Um, not as good as the Auburn show choir version that came out a couple of days prior to that, but – which is the best version well, no, no. in existence.
0: They played it in the stadium uh, during a football game the next fall because you were up with me and Nelson. James, for that one. me and Between you and
1: James. James were up there in the Nelson and they played it. I don't think I realized they were going to play it at that game. And all of a sudden, yeah. like they play it, the marching band plays it, and it was that was, a, that was probably the last surreal did moment. They,
2: did they play it when the team was getting their rings? I think that's what I what it, it was did. what it is. It, <laughs> it wasn't I wasn't
0: I actually wasn't at that game. I was so sad I missed it because of the wedding where uh and I remember this because I was a Grinsman in the wedding and I had to wear a red vest with a tuck. Oh was, no. Super super classy. But no, I wasn't at that was the Mississippi State game in twenty
1: nineteen. I wasn't this that was game either. Some
0: other game But I've got a video of you watching them play it, like yeah. there's eighty five thousand people singing your song. It is it was Crazy. amazing.
1: That was so wild. You know,
0: Crow, I, 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 we're, we're running long, and I don't want to cut you off, but I did. I wanted to join the podcast to say, like, um, you know, it's it's super cheesy to say this, but I mean it sincerely. Like, there are certain old gospel hymns that, like, regardless of whatever mood I'm in, um, like they uplift my soul when I hear them, especially when they're done by certain people and you just alluded to the auburn choir version of that song and like there's a tangible like spiritual you know feeling in the gut of my stomach when i hear that that like conjures up real emotion yeah. of fondness for that three week period and you know what came about from it and that song in so many ways has changed my life because you know, what happened with the final four allowed me to get to know you guys better. And mm. for some crazy reason, Jack let me join that Slack. Uh,
2: <laughs> but
0: for, it, for it to allow me to, you know, a, a song that you recorded that took 30 minutes, you know, gave me, you know, new friends that share yeah. a love of Auburn. And, uh, you know, it allowed me to be a part of a moment for you uh, up in Minneapolis that was, truly like one of the greatest pleasures I've ever been a part of. And I, and I say that because, and for those of you listening, I'm, I'm going to get a little serious for a second. Uh, a lot of times when you think of people in ministry, it's really easy to think about the wrong kind of people in ministry. But Crow was legit in Beauregard, Alabama, the day before the final four working in tornado relief, doing the work. It wasn't about going out and spreading a message. It was about rolling up your sleeves and doing the work. And to every single one of you that you know contributed to getting him to Minneapolis, I want to personally just say thank you for being a part of something that, you know, I've been blessed by, but it allowed, it allowed a lot of people to be a part of something really special. For someone in you, Drew, that there's not a more deserving person that I can think of that deserved to have that moment and that deserve to have all of the just wacky, crazy fun that happens because of a 30 minute session of recording. Yeah. You know, I, I, I legit think that, you know, in some weird, uh, comical way, uh, God had a hand in that and, uh, making something truly special out of it that, um, when people think about that final four team, they will think about, we've got here for the next hundred years. And that's, yeah pretty yep. freaking cool
3: when they People can
0: give money, they can have their names on buildings but they're never associated with a moment quite like you know, something like recording a song that took 30 yeah. minutes
1: that, yeah I yeah it's about <laughs> the about best thing I could do without
3: wearing a jersey when they that. when they recognize that team's 10 year anniversary they will play that song they will. ten years yeah. eight years from now now but so that, that's it's really cool. Um, and, and it was it was all part of this magical moment, uh, magical Auburn moment, uh, that I, you know, we may never get again. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I was glad to be there for it. And I, I'm glad, I, I'm glad you did that song, that, that silly song <laughs> that, yeah. uh, the, the sex champion himself. <laughs> really, really made it spread, and that was that was just incredible. Yeah, it's, no pun intended, y'all. It's
2: no such a ind- like. Oh, I don't believe that for a minute.
3: <laughs> it was such you know like I think a
1: lot of times people say if you're relaxed as you enter into a car accident, you have a better chance of surviving because your body just doesn't tense up or whatever.
2: Yeah.
1: In a lot of ways, like. I just kept. I net nothing that happened was expected, or I felt like warranted or deserved. So, like, at no point did I think more people should hear this song. I like, get no point that I <laughs> like, you know, big upping myself and being like, "Man, I wish I wish Charles Barkley would retweet Like, at no point did I think any of that stuff. So, like, because of that, I kept this like fluidity of. Just Forrest Gumping my way into these moments,
2: <laughs> like I think that's the perfect way to put it. Like, yeah, all,
1: like really. all of a sudden,
2: like the, I, is the he, Forrest Gump of the, the, he's, in the run. he's in the background of that picture.
1: Whoa. okay. <laughs> They're playing that song, and so it kind of—I never—I was able to, and this is not me. This was like a huge blessing on me, like able to be in the moment for that, and so kind of fully appreciate it because I didn't have any ambition. I was completely um,
3: open. Completely and th- and free I of just want to say, thank God for you being you, and it wasn't a really awful rap song that caught do on. Rap. Don't do rap. <laughs> uh, with a video or an embarrassing video or something. Like the Mizzou uh, one? The, yes, that's exactly what I'm thinking or of. Or the Georgia one. Did one. as well. Or a- any they number of
0: be- them you can find. There's only one that's good, and Marcus Lattimore is in it for South Carolina. I'll bet you meant but the then. one
1: about my in Miami, and uh, a former tight end of the Panthers is in it.
3: <laughs>
0: the seventh floor crew,
3: yeah, yeah <laughs> seventh floor crew, dog. <laughs> I I really, I, and that that also it not being some rap song, it being a the cheesy song from a uh, cartoon, yeah, uh, from the '60s, uh, and it. Resonating with the players in the way that it did is what made it great, I think. It, I think it's also what made the whole moment great.
1: I think John Carvalho, Dr. Carvalho, said it best like it's also uniquely Auburn. Yeah. Because it doesn't yeah. take itself too seriously. Yeah. It isn't trying to be something that it isn't. And it's just fun. It's just having fun for the sake of being, of having fun
3: being silly. And, there's not you know, a lot of it,
1: we need places. We that need
0: more that. of that in life.
3: Uh, I think.
0: I. It's the first time I've felt the Auburn spirit, and I know that that's a really
3: just cheesy <laughs>
0: thing to say, but I but I mean it. Like there, every one of you know that there's something real to that. And you, so, the money out, cause you things, said that. Yeah, <laughs> there, there is something real to it, and it's the first time I've felt that way since 2013 in terms of anything with athletics you know, what doing what we did in November and seventeen of blasting Georgia and Alabama was great. But like there's there's moments in time in my life where like like when the Cam stuff came out in twenty ten where we all rallied together, like there's just moments where we circle the wagons around each other. This is one of those moments where like we circled the wagons around the, around something in celebration as opposed to in defense Yeah. and made for, made for one of like the most rare moments I've experienced in my 35 years of being alive and loving Auburn. Yeah. Like I mean, truly like normally the circumstances of Auburn people coming together is due to adversity. And this was just sheer joy. And when I hear that song, like there's I I'm flooded with memories of joy. And there's not many things in life that can be that much of a gift.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, my my mission in life is to add the uh, add to collective joy. That is the goal. Add to collective
0: well, the, joy. one request I have is if you, like Taylor Swift, have to record uh, re-record all of your music. Um, <laughs> I think that it's time that we uh, stop giving Alabama and Tennessee so much credit and change the lyrics to beating UNC, Kansas, and Kentucky, totally a basketball school. I'll do that. Because there will never be a run. There will never, we could win the national championship next year. There will never be a run like that again. No, and no I, I, I don't think winning the national championship next year would be as fun as what that run was. And that run's not yeah. what it is without this song.
1: For the fifth I, year I, anniversary, we're going to run a mariachi band and we're going to play it, and we're going to change the <laughs> lyrics. I'll record it live and put it on the site.
3: <laughs> I've never I've never had more sustained fun as an Auburn fan yep. as I did that month. Um, full stop. I mean, I, yep. I, and I've had a lot of fun watching Auburn football over the years. I've lived through two undefeated – lived through. I've been an adult for two undefeated seasons – Uh, And a national championship. And and neither was as fun as that. And and the the song was a a big part of that.
1: It is. Yeah, it's one of the great moments and outcomes of my life is to have done that.
3: I've definitely never cried more as an Auburn fan as as I did that. Dude, I, I wept so many tears when we when we made the final four yeah and, and 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 i i mean i i i cried when we beat kansas like we did cuz we killed them yeah it, and it, it was just and it wasn't like i was sitting here trying to cry, like it was just happened i maybe was like the laughing best, hysterically maybe the best episode of the
1: podcast was the uh the rewatch of the unc oh, yes. game <laughs> was right. you and me it was a 2 hour episode of us just <laughs> watching the game again <laughs> We couldn't Joel, understand we it. I,
2: was sick. I did not remember that. You
1: weren't there. I think you were, we're sick or out. out of town and Chief and I not over to the house and we just
3: watched we should, uh, the whole game. We publish again. that to the feed. I yeah, think we should. For this for this week as well as a bonus.
1: If we can find that, I think we deleted a lot of those off of the old the old <laughs> SoundCloud. All right guys, we've been going for an hour and a half. Yeah. That's good enough for me. I think the main thing, I, it's just thanks. Like I said on Twitter, thanks to the Auburn Twitter. Like it was, Auburn Twitter has a lot of warts. I'm one of its biggest critics on this podcast and on our <laughs> Slack, but it was a fun wave to ride. And thanks to Booski and to Josh Vital and to Ferg and to the other members of the Auburn sports writing crew, Jeff Shearer, and those guys who wrote cool pieces and said cool nice things about me and. To all the students, to Auburn University students that sang the song and made it what it was, because if it wasn't for the students loving it, it wouldn't have gone big at all. Yeah, it wouldn't have gone anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? There's about been a bunch of stuff. moms and yeah. you know, <laughs> a bunch of ladies on 30A singing it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: No, this was this was cool because it was it was viral from was from the students. Yeah.
2: I want to add one little cap on it to kind of just close things out. Uh, Jared Harper playing tonight in the orange and blue. The New York Knicks. They had Jared.
1: They had Jared. All right. Thank you, guys.